Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. I am a retired pastor. I tell everybody that I'm retired. Um, I was retired, but now I'm just tired. Um, I met with Dr. Spencer on Friday. And I was just talking to him about the program that he has of placing students at Liberty in churches. And I was talking to him as a retired pastor. You know, I'm not looking for a job. You know, uh, God has called me to to do transitional mission, transitional passion, pastor work. If I could talk this morning, it'd be good. Um, But to be a transitional pastor, to go in churches that are hurting. My passion is to preach. God called me into the ministry in 1984 after after running for 10 years. When Wanda and I were dating, I said, before we get too serious of this, I need you to know something. We met at Community College in Lynchburg. I need to tell you something. And she looked at me and said, okay. And I said, God, I feel God has called me for something special, but I don't know what. Well, excuse me, Lord, but that was kind of a lie. You know, I knew he was calling me into the ministry, but I did not know exactly. So after running for 10 years, and then accepting calling to the ministry. My first church was one of those small churches in North Carolina. Tell everybody that we had 14 there the first Sunday, and four of them was my family. In that church, in that church, I led the music, led the choir, uh, worked with the young people, you know, the youth ministry, um, and, you know, and preached, and, and was the pastor. But I learned in that church, and I learned one thing. If you preach the Bible and love the people, God will take care of everything else. And it took me two and a half years to, I was there for two and a half years. It took me a while to learn, and I'm still learning, okay? And I'm learning how to preach. So today I want to share with you from God's Word. But I met with Dr. Spence on Friday, and as I was meeting and asking him, how can I help you? You know, being a senior pastor, I'm already retired. How can I help? I'm not looking for a job. And he said, well, I need two things. I need somebody that can preach on a moment's notice. And I said, okay, I can do that. And he said, I need somebody to help me with these young men. He said, these boys are in, in seminary now, and they've never served as a pastor of a church. They don't know the other side of the story. They know the books, but they don't know what else to do, you know, the administration, everything else. So if you could mentor some of them, I said, okay, I can do that. Well, as we were talking, Alex calls him and says, I'm sick. He hangs up the phone and says, okay, can you preach Sunday? <laughs> and the first verse that came to my mind is 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready always to give an answer to them that ask you of the hope that is in you. So yes, yes, I believe. And Mark, I appreciate what you're seeing this morning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm one of those guys that's got this stuff up here. You know, God gave me this gift of remembering Scripture. And, and so I, I, they just come out. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, and by the way, Philippians 3, 10, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. So yes, we are to praise God. God has been good to us, right? All right, now I'm going to train you real quickly. Every church I go in, I train everybody. And when I say God is good, you say all the time. And I say all the time, you say God is good. So God is good. Now, isn't God good? I mean, we're in a time of Thanksgiving. Isn't God really good? It doesn't matter whether I am or not. I mean, yeah, I know I looked in the mirror. No, I am not good all the time. There's no, none good. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. But God is good, and He's good to His children, and He's good all the time. 
Have your Bibles, would you turn to, uh, let me see, yeah, we're going to go to 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 1 through 9. Now, before we begin, I need you to know that, okay, that I believe, yes, I believe, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. It is inert, inspired, and infallible, and whether you believe it or not, it is true. God's Word is true, and us believing it doesn't make it true, but it's true. Therefore, we believe it because it tells us about Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son. I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God who died on the cross to save me from my sins. They buried Him in a barred grave, and guess what? Story doesn't end there, and it rest of the story. Three days later, up from the grave, he arose. He arose to give us eternal life. I like to tell everybody now, if the story ended at the cross, all right, we know Jesus, Son of God, He died on the cross. If He died on the cross, the story ended there, we'd be saved from our sins. He paid the price for our freedom, for our, our, our salvation when He died on the cross. If the story ended there, you wouldn't have to worry about dying and going to hell. It'd be paid for. It'd be done. But the story doesn't end, I praise God. Three days later, He raised Him from a grave to give us eternal life. He arose from a grave to defeat sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. And we do not have to worry about that. I do it this way. Sin is in, uh, salvation is in three tenses. I am saved from the past penalty of sin. For the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. I'm saved from that. I don't have to worry about dying and going to hell. That's over. If I die, I know exactly where I'm going to wake up. And that's the benefit, that when I die, I'm going to wake up in heaven, a place that God has prepared for His children. John 14, 1, 2, and 3, He says, You believe in God, believe also in Me. Let not your heart be troubled, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, and a place is called heaven, that where I am, there you may be always. Now, I don't know where heaven is. It may be up yonder, it may be down yonder, it may be over yonder, or it may be out yonder. I don't know where heaven is, but I do know wherever Jesus is will be heaven for me and when I wake up when I lay down and die when I wake up I will be with him in heaven because God's word tells me that because I am saved by the grace of God so yes past I'm saved from hell I'm saved for heaven but in the meantime I am saved for God's glory I don't quite understand it. I kind of shake my head scratch my head like this and go I don't understand it but God wants to use me for his glory and that's what it's all about. In the meantime, between the time I'm born and the time that I die, He wants me to serve Him. But I do believe. I believe in the Bible. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe in heaven. But I also believe that Jesus said in John 14, He said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He says that He's coming back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the last days. Now, if you don't believe it, just turn the TV on. Now, I get a little kind of frustrated with the TV because they want to cover just stuff here, and I call it junk, and it's happening around, you know, politics and things like that here in the United States. I want to know what's going on in the rest of the world. Have you heard anything about the Middle East? Do y'all remember that the capital in, in Drew has been moved to Jerusalem in Israel? See, I keep track of all these things that's happening. What about the Gog-Magog war that the Bible tells us about when Israel's going to be attacked? I keep track of all those. We're living in the last days. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be pestilences and pandemics. In the midst of all this junk that's going on and the wickedness that we're seeing right now, we're living in the last days. Every one of the prophecies that Jesus talked about in the Bible has already been fulfilled. We're only waiting for one thing. If you get this picture of God sitting on a throne in heaven, we're simply waiting for God to turn to Jesus and say, Son, go get my children. 
Go bring my children home. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the return of Christ and the rapture of the church. Not this building, but us, we. We get taken out of here and then the tribulation period is going to start. And you know the end of that in the book of Revelation. But we're waiting. We're living in the last days, simply waiting for Jesus to come. Now, have your Bibles. Would you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3? Now, I do. Yeah, you did. Okay. Oh, you, I, I preach from a New King James Version. I grew up, you know, I'm old school. I was saved when I was nine years old in a little small country church down in, um, outside of Lynchburg, Norwood Baptist Church. Uh, didn't even have a baptistry. We had to wait for about six months till we get three or four of us together and go borrow somebody's baptistry and got baptized after that. But in that small church, you know, that I grew up with the King James Version. That's what comes back to mind when I start quoting scriptures. That that's what I was raised on. But I used the New King James translation. I don't care what translation you use as long as you read it. Now, okay, uh, different translations. It's going to take a 13th grade education for you to understand the uh, New International Version. It only takes an 8th grade education to understand the Living Bible. But I choose the New King James because this translation has gone back to the, to the Greek copies that we have back as early as 300 A.D. And that's the earliest translations that we have that we can use. So I use this here. So I'm going to ask that you would stand in honor of God's Word because God's Word is truth, please. And Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy. He says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, or troublesome times, as the old song used to sing. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Y'all begin to get the picture? Un, 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 okay. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, and from such people turn away. For this sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women and men, people, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as James and James was had resisted Moses, so also those who resist the truth, so do also these. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, further for the follow be shared, will be made manifest to all as theirs also was. Father, bless the reading your precious and holy word, and God, God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're living in the latter days. Now, the reason that I say that because Paul tells Timothy there are three characteristics that we can look in the world. Turn the news on. Look at what's going on. Not only from a protest for a year ago, not only the pandemic that we had a year ago, but now people are, are beginning to fuss even more and shooting people. Every time when I turn the TV on and my TV comes up automatically, <laughs> Channel 7, that's where it's got set, you know, WDBJ and Roanoke, and it comes up with somebody getting shot. Or you turn to the Lynchburg News, it comes up somebody getting shot. Everywhere you see, you're seeing the wickedness, the evil that is going on in this world. Now before we begin, I must tell you that the devil is just like you and I. He doesn't know any more than you and I know, okay? He's a little bit bigger than me, he's a little bit uglier than I am, he's a little bit stronger than I am, but greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. But now the devil himself doesn't know any more than you and I know. He doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. As we look around, I can say that he's coming.
coming back, and he's coming back soon. We're waiting to hear the trumpet sound, and we're out of here. But in the meantime, Paul tells Timothy that in the latter days, perilous times, times of stress, the Greek says, or even troublesome times are here. Fill them in hearts with fear. But we're living in a world, now the world that we live in now, it's characterized by three points. Number one, a godless world. Verse two through four, men will be lovers of themselves. They're more interested in about them, more been about their good. As we were talking in Sunday school this morning, I didn't talk up a whole lot, Jamie, but I do know that what, what he says was that in that, okay, the pride that we have with each other, but people think they're good and they're going to heaven. But guess what? Not all. There are none good, no, not one. But he says here at times, you know, that men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient. Go through these things here. Unthankful, unholy, un you know, look around you, the people you work with, and for the young people that go to school, look at all these children here. Everywhere we turn, these are unloving, unforgiving. I call it a time of lawlessness without morality. Um, 1984, except the call of ministry, 85, I went back to college and I remember taking a public speaking class there in college and one of the things I spoke on, California was just getting ready then in 1985 to enact a law about euthanasia. Now, you know what euthanasia is? That's when they take the old folks over here and say, you're no more good to society. All we're doing is putting money into you. You're not working. You're not paying any taxes. We don't get anything from you. So it's okay to take an old person and put them to death. Euthanasia. Just let them go. Just like we do the animals, okay? And I, my sermon was, if California votes for euthanasia, the next step will be to allow abortion. So between abortion, the killing of unborn babies, now real quickly, I can give you my, my sermon on, euthanasia, on abortion. What part of that shall not kill do you not understand? That's what the Bible says. That's my sermon. I move on, okay? Now, okay. But from abortion all the way to euthanasia. It is a time of wickedness and a time of lawlessness. There is no morality. When our children were growing up, uh, Michael Jordan's tennis shoes, you know, the Air Jordans were, were big then, and they were killing people, youth killing children in New York over a pair of shoes. They don't need an excuse now. I'm assuming it's because of drugs or gangs or something, but we're having more, more people killed here in the state of Virginia. Oh, we used to be in New York and Chicago, but not here. Days of, of lawlessness and wickedness. But he knows he characterizes three ways. Days of anarchy, okay? Meaning times of chaos, times of stress, without self-control, where they each think that their law among themselves is anarchy without rule or without order. Times of apathy. Look around. I mean, think about this. A lack of concern, a lack of control, a lack of caring, and a lack of compassion. Now, as you go through this, and we're praying for those on a prayer list, do you have compassion? What is the difference between pity and compassion and concern? Now, concern, I'll be thinking about you. I don't want you to think about me. I want you to pray for me when you think about me. Please pray, okay? I need to help. You need to practice. Please pray for me and whatever. Be concerned for that. But now, see, concern, okay, that you do think about them and you do do something for them. Now, again, pity. You look at somebody and say, boy, I'm glad I'm not like you, okay? I'm glad that I don't have the problem that you have, whatever that is, okay? It's just my knee hurts, okay? I don't have, any, you know... They, the 
pity is that you're sorry for them. Concern means that you want to think about them and pray for them, but then compassion. Remember what Jesus said, looked at on the multitudes and saw them and was moved with compassion? You go from pity to empathy. Empathy, I'm sorry that you are like that, whatever it is. I'm sorry you got the flu. I'm sorry you got COVID. I'm sorry, I'm sorry what's happened to you. Pity, I'm sorry that it didn't happen to me. Better thee than me, okay? But then compassion does something about it. Moves you to do something. Cook a meal. Call them. Go help them do something. But times of anarchy, apathy, without caring, and times of apostasy is the third and third A there. Too many of our church members are sitting in nice padded pews and spiritually we are comfortable, contented, and complacent right where we at. Preacher begins to preach. We need to go. Oh, what part of go you therefore do we not understand? Go share the gospel. We're supposed to go share the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. And we say to you and say, yes, somebody ought to do that. You know that? Remember the story of the seven people? Somebody, nobody, everybody, anybody, four people rather. You know, and nobody ends up doing it because we're comfortable where we're at. We're contented and we're complacent spiritually. But God is calling us to more. It's more. It is all about worship. We gather to worship. We didn't come to church today just to say that we check off a list that we were in church today. We came to worship God, a living God that we're going to live with forever. And believe me, Revelation tells us, chapter 4 and chapter 5, when you get there, and I'm going to say this in my English, I'm a country boy from Bedford County, you're going to. You don't get a choice. When the, when the four living creatures cry, holy, 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 we're going to fall down and worship Him, casting our crowns before Him and give Him praise and glory. He's the only one worthy of a worship. We gather here for that. But we're in that age of apostasy. Seven churches in the book of Revelation. The last one is Laodicea. And Laodicea is the lukewarm church. Paul says in Thessalonians that before the time of the Antichrist comes or the tribulation period starts, there will be a time of apostasy, a falling away from the faith. So we're now living in a godless world. Going back to Romans, y'all studying Romans in, in Sunday school here, and y'all please come to Sunday school and get into a good Bible study there. But Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul tells them, he says, although they knew God, they refused to glorify God. They knew there is a God, but they refused to glorify God but changed the image of an incorruptible God into a corruptible God, began to worship themselves because this is what I want. I can do it. I'm just as good as you are, and I can get to heaven on my own. I don't need Jesus, and I don't need a church. Well, that's where they're wrong. Although they knew God, a godless word. Do y'all remember me being a little bit older and a couple of y'all guys here? Y'all remember the God is Dead movement back in the 60s? Well, they got, yeah, I know it's for your time, okay? <laughs> Yo, you remember your mama telling, okay, good night. But God, you know, God is dead. Oh, I, I love what Billy Graham said about him. He said, they say God is dead. And, you know, he goes, no, he's not. I talked to him this morning. The God is dead movement now has come back again. It's been 60 years since then, but it's coming back again. We don't need God. But yes, we do need God. We're living in a world that is a godless world. We've gone from this nation, our nation that we lived in, was formed on those biblical principles. The Puritans wanted to do wanted to build a God-fearing society. We've gone from a God-fearing to a God-knowing to a God not knowing. 
godless society here in the United States of America. Now, why is this? We live in a godless world because, number two, we have a powerless religion in most of our churches. Now, first of all, well, let's go to verse 5. He says, uh, verse 4 and 5, he said, being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such people turning away. Having a form of religion, okay, a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We live in it with a powerless religion that 60, George Barner says 65, 66% of all Christians meeting in churches on any Sunday morning have never felt the Holy Spirit move in their services. Can you say that about faith, community church? Do you feel the power of God's presence here today? He's here. The Bible says when two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst of us, so he's here. But 65% of those that are church members, those that call themselves Christians, have never felt the presence of God in a worship service. Something is wrong, folks. No, it's not about the music. I'm sorry, Mark. Thank you for you and Carol for leading us today. Okay, but it's not about the music. The music takes us to the throne of God. We're to praise God. So music will take us to the throne. But it is all about Him. It's not about the music. It's not about my preaching. It is about God. Jesus is the one who died on the cross to save us from my, from my sins, from your sins. It's not about me. As Paul said, hey, I didn't die for anybody. You know, I can't save anybody. I learned that a long time ago in the first church I was in. I learned I can't save anybody. All I can do is tell them about Jesus. The difference in that music, though, Mark, we were talking this morning, praise music, praise courses, is, is singing praise back to God, singing scripture back to God, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, okay? If you're saved, you can't help but give it back to God. Hymns are theology about God. Yes, He died on an old rugged cross to save me from my sin. I've been born again. Blessed assurance of Jesus is mine. And I still think it's amazing that He saved. Not only did He save me, but He called me into the ministry. I don't understand why He wants to use me, but that's what God does. That's why I sing the hymns. I'm old school, but I love those. When you start singing a hymn, then move it right into a, a praise chorus. If you can do those blended. We had a youth pastor do that. And I'd get him up on the stage every chance I could because I loved that dude. Because he could just move straight from one to the other and you wouldn't even notice it. You know? And it was, it was awesome. Because out of the heart, the changed heart. But now they have, they experience a powerless religion. Here are churches. Churches going through the motions. We don't need a bulletin, do we? If you've been saved more than 10 years, you know what we're going to do every Sunday morning. We're going to pray, we're going to praise, and we're going to preach, right? It may not be in that order. We may change order around every once in a while. But we don't need a bulletin. But we put the bulletins out to tell you what we think is going to happen. But God always comes first. I prepare sermons sometimes as much as six weeks in advance. But I do know, I've seen a time that I've gone from Sunday school classroom, walking up a hall to go to the sanctuary, and God said, nope, no, I want you to go there today. We're going somewhere else today. So be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is in you. Then I can always stand and tell you about Jesus. He is the Son of God. I can tell you how He can save you if you will let go and let Him take over your life. He can give you peace. He can give you that blessed, blessed assurance. The question I want to ask each one of you today is not, I don't, you know, I stopped asking, are you saved? I stopped asking people, are you saved? Because I get too many from what? My question is, if your heart start beat, stopped beating right now and you died, where would you wake up? 
Because you're going to wake up somewhere. The instant you die, there is no in-between, there is no purgatory, there is no holding pen, there's no, nothing but you either going to hell or you going to heaven. So what's going to happen? we got too many churches simply going through the motion. They're singing the songs. They're, going, they're, you know, they're singing the songs. The preachers stand up and preaching. But the Holy Spirit isn't in it because they've not invited God into the service. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been preaching for 30-some years the prayer that you had this morning when you said, God, we're asking you to come into the service, okay, and we're expecting you to be here, and we need to respond to His presence. When His Word goes out, Isaiah 55, 55 when my word goes out it will not return to me void when you are required you are asked by God to respond at some point during the service and now I tell everybody that reaches a point in the worship service that I don't care whether you hear or not I'm sorry don't mean to offend you but I don't care whether you that reaches a point that's between me and God it may be doing a prayer it may be doing the, the praise music it may be doing even an old choir special that we used to do okay it may be doing the preaching it may be doing the invitation time but at some point at some point, you've got to get ready, ready for God. You've got to get ready with Him and get real with Him before you leave this place because you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. You do not know what's going to happen this afternoon. So we need to get ready. Too many churches going through the motions. Too many churches have stopped preaching Jesus. They're not preaching the Bible. People aren't coming. Why? They're not getting fed. I'm going to go back again. I'm Baptist. If you feed them, they will come. Yeah, have a pocket dinner. I asked them, could I come back next week just to be part of the, of the eating, okay? I mean, let's get things right, okay? Uh, I was at Trinity Baptist Church for 16 years. They uh, said, my brother always said, when anybody asked him, well, what kind of pastor, what kind of church is? He said, it's a Baptist church. It's located right behind the Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was up on the hill behind them. I mean, let's get our priorities straight here, folks, okay? You know, if you feed them they will come preach the Bible preach Christ crucified is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that's what it's about he's the one that's going to save us I can't save you but I can share the gospel with you the good news is Jesus is the son of God he died on the cross to save you if you've been the only person ever lived now I go back to I go back and do it this way this is why I usually do it okay do you believe that Jesus is the son of God do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save the world from their sins? Whether you believe that or not, we can prove from history that He is the Son of God and that a man named Christos was killed on a hill outside of Jerusalem. In Roman history, it actually says that a man was crucified that they called the Christ back then. And sometime around 33, 30, 33 A.D., before 35 A.D. That's in hit. Whether you believe it or not, that is true. But if you believe He is the Son of God, and He died on the cross to save you from your sins, if you're the only person that ever lived, He still would have come and died on that cross to save me or to save you, then you can be saved. And Romans 10, 13, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, and I'm going to go back to my King James, shall be saved. Not maybe, not going to be, not might be when they get to heaven, but shall be saved, period. And do not put a question mark where God puts a period. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Too many churches simply stop preaching that. Well, the people want to hear about money. The people want to make them feel good. The guy gets on TV and says, you know, let's, you know, let's have everybody feel good about it. Okay, guess what? And people stop coming if they're not getting fed. Churches, there's a lot of churches now that are drawing crowds. We've got a church at the lake that it's a contemporary church. And on any given Sunday, they can have as many as 1,500 people there. 
they have three services and they, they draw between 500 and 600 people every service. So you can have 1,500 to, 600, to 1,800 people on any given Sunday morning. But then 65% of those coming have never felt the power of the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter about the number. It doesn't matter about the music. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, if I lift it up, he would draw all people unto him. Does the praise go to him? Does the glory go to him? And see, many worship services, they're planned on Tuesday or Thursday. We always planned ours on Tuesdays. Too many services are planned without the power of the Holy Spirit. Had a preacher tell me one time that he took a calendar. He sat down in January the 1st and he took a calendar and he marked off every, every Sunday that he had to do a special service, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, you know, things like that. And then he took a book and he simply went through the, the lectionary and he wrote down everything they, they told him to preach on. And I shook my head. The power of the Holy Spirit. Too many services are planned without the praying, preparation, and prayer of the Holy Spirit in our services. Folks, we're moving to a one-world religion. That's why I call this a godless world and a powerless religion. Difference between religion and relationship. Religion is about doing something the same way in the same old way all the time, okay? I brush my teeth every day. I'm very religious about brushing, brushing my teeth, okay? But I have a relationship with Jesus. That means I spend time with Him. I have a relationship with my wife. I have a relationship with my children. I spend as much time as I can with them. I have a relationship with Jesus. I spend as much time as I can with Him. I do not have a religion. Religion is man's way. But we are moving to a one world religion. When the guy comes, the Antichrist during the tribulation, and the way I interpret the Bible, I'm not going to be here. We'll be gone. Church will be gone. And when the Antichrist comes, they will establish a one world religion. And did you know, have you seen the Pope, the current Pope, signed a peace treaty with the, I don't even know his name, the high imam of Iran, who's head of the Muslim religion in the Middle East. He signed a peace treaty. They plan to build in Dubai a one world trade center. Oh, and by the way, do y'all know what the, remember the twin towers that were knocked out in New York? They replaced it with one of them. Do you know what it's called? The one world trade center. They plan on building a church for three faiths in uh, Dubai. Muslim, Christianity and Mormonism. In all the same building, we're moving to a one world religion. A godless, a powerless religion. But the third one, look at 6 through 9. And I call it a corrupt ministry. For this sort of those are creeping, you know, having a form of godliness, for this sort of those are creeping household make captives of people loaded down with sins, led by the various lusts. And he goes on to talk about these John is and Jane Briz that was there, okay. And I call these others as corrupt ministry. I call them TV preachers. I do not like TV preachers. Yeah, I watch Charles Stanley, I watch Jonathan Falwell, I watch Charleston Swindoll, uh, David Jeremiah, I watch these. 
But there are some that come on church that I wonder where they come from, where they get their training. Is this of God? Because let me describe them. The Bible describes them as a false preachers of a false religion. These are man-made religions, devil-led, devil-inspired. They're going by Him, but they're pointing people, look at this, send you money here, send you... You've heard of all the corrupt ones there. Anybody's trying to make you feel good. Now the Bible tells us that First uh, John chapter uh, 2, verse 15, 16, the uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these three... These three sins that invade us now that makes us look good, feel good, think I am good. That's what these, what I call TV preachers are doing. The Bible says that they lead them astray, lead the gullible astray. It sounds good and they have a little bit. You ever been in a situation where somebody says, well, doesn't the Bible say, and they'll give you a verse and it's about half right, about a fourth right? How do you know that it's true or not? Well, it sounds good. Check it out. I don't ask you to do that. Paul said, John says in 1 John chapter 4, Brethren, test the spirits. Is it of God? Does it point you back to the Bible? Is it here? As the old man tell me, I stand on the Word of God. If you can't convince me differently from the Word of God, then I'm not going to change my mind. Okay, so again, go back to the Scriptures again. They resist the truth, even as they interpret it. We had a guy, the guy came and started start a church and we're going, whoa. So our youth pastor went down and interviewed him for school, for a school class. He said, now do you, because we knew he wasn't preaching the Bible. So he asked him, do you preach the Bible? He said, yes, I preach the Bible. And then, but as I interpreted, whoa, back up again. You know, they resist the truth. Jesus has nothing to do with it. It's what they think. Does it help them? Does it build the church? Does it glorify them? But what does the Bible say? It's all about Jesus. You've got to come back to Him. Solomon says, Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house. And I'm not talking about this building here. I'm talking about this church. And we are the church, folks. This building's going to be here and we're gone. Okay? We, but we're going to be in heaven with Him. But again, unless the Lord builds the church, they labor in vain, those who build it. Unless the Lord is doing it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you flip back over to the book back before that Paul talks about in chapter 2, the great apostasy, and then it coming again, verses 2 through, well, drop on down to 9, uh, let no one deceive you in verse 3, that day, you know, that we get out of here will not come unless the fallen away comes first, and then the man of sin, the Antichrist, uh, is revealed. Down at 9, the coming of the lawless one is in a, in a working, is according to the working of Satan without power, signs, and lying wonders. Who's holding these guys accountable? Who's holding your pastor accountable? Does he preach the Bible? Does he preach Christ crucified? That's the job of the elders. That's the job of the deacons. That's your job. Test the Scriptures. Test the Spirit. Um, Coming to lawless one is all power and signs and line warning. Wonders with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And notice this. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The fastest, the biggest church in North America is in Houston. And the one topic he does not preach on is sin. Everybody makes mistakes, but that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says all have sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned. There's none good, no, not one. None righteous, no, not one. All have sinned come short of the glory of God. But God has allowed them, has sent them strong delusion that they should believe the lie so that they may all be condemned who not, do not believe the truth but have, un, have pleasure in their unrighteousness. The coming of the Antichrist. We're in that time. A corrupt ministry. So if I can tell you one, one thing today, make sure everything you do will point back to the cross where Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified. We are living in the last days. But now, as a Christian, and I, I'm talking to me, not as a pastor. Remember, I'm retired, okay? I just get an opportunity somewhere else to go talk. But as a Christian, how do I live? How do you live in these last days? Characterized by a, a, you know, um, a godless world that we live in, a, a powerless religion, and a corrupt ministry. How do we live? Let me give you three ways. Number one, be aware of the signs of the time. Watch the TV. Look at the change in technology. Look at the changes in our world. What? Watch out for technology. <laughs> she tells me to mute it. I muted the thing, but, but I can't even take the battery out of it anymore. I'm sorry, folks. That's one of them smartphones, and I'm not smart enough to use it. I have to get my children to, hey, can you fix this for me? So I do apologize for that. See, the devil is alive and well, right? But let me give you three ways, okay? Three, three ways to how do I live? How do, how do you go out of here and live today? How do you live tomorrow? knowing that He can come back at any time. Now, again, you're going, if you're saved, you, you're going to heaven. Okay, There's not a question on that. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. So whether it's going to be by rapture or recall. You know, you know what recall, right? If you bought a car, you bought a new automobile, and you get a lemon, you can take it back to the dealer. Well, guess what? Every once in a while, the Creator calls this creation back too. Okay, Recall. Recall by the rapture. So be aware of the signs of the time. Look around you in nature. The, did y'all know that we just had an earthquake? It was a 2.4, 2.3, 2 2.4 uh, outside of Memphis last week. See, my, my ear turns it. I, and I know if, if the volcano goes off in uh, Yellowstone Park, which they say is, is, about, is about 500 years overdue, if it goes off, we're going to lose everything from the Mississippi River west. America's gone. Okay, Look at nature. I mean... Come on, folks. Y'all guys that are as old as I am, you know, it's never been like this before, right? You know, we've seen extremes in our weather now we've never seen before. We're setting new records, okay? All right, then looking around the world. Watch the news. Yeah, I get frustrated because ABC News doesn't want to you know, carry some of the things around the world. I watch to see they moved the capital of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's part of God's Word because where's the temple going to be built during the tribulation? Back in Jerusalem, what the Bible said. And it changes in technology. We're doing things now. First cell phone that we bought when I left North Carolina and went back to uh, Virginia, it looked like a box. You know, it's about six inches wide and about that long. Y'all, some of y'all remember having those things? Okay. And now, even my watch will talk to me. Tell me, get up and move. You <laughs> a deal. So technology has changed so much in our lifetime. Number two. Be aware of the signs of the time. Jesus said, look around. Number two, seize the opportunity 
to share the gospel. Jesus, the angel told the disciples in Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses. Jesus said, you're going to be a witness. And you don't get a choice in that. You're going to be a witness. I, you, you can't help it. You're, you're a Christian. You're going to be a witness. But your choice is, do you, are you going to be a good one or a bad one? Are you going to attract people to church? To Jesus? Are you going to be a good one? Or a bad? But use the opportunity. I used to pray, Lord, give us another opportunity to share your love, to share the gospel, until I had an older deacon correct me. He says, preacher, I wish you'd change your prayers. And what? He said, we get opportunities every day. We just don't see it. So I started praying, okay, Lord, open my eyes and I can see the opportunity. I hate it when people, you know, slow down in front of me and I'm trying to run on, run over them, get out of the way, you know, because I have a heavy foot and want to ride down the road. But there's always a reason. Oh, and standing in line at a grocery store? Why did I always choose the long line, wrong line? So I just start talking to the people in front of me because I like to talk. God gave me the gift of gab. Why not use it? Seize the opportunity to share the gospel. Number two, oh, the other thing I do is that kids ask me, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, I want one of these gospel ties. ties. My daughter orders them somewhere online. You know, and so I'll come in and have a cross on or something or some scripture on invariably people in front of me. I like your tie. Oh, yeah, did you see what the message says? And begin to talk about Jesus. It's that easy, folks. Number three, be diligent in your devotional life. We've got too many Christians coming to church on Sunday morning, going home, changing their clothes, and not thinking about Christ for the rest of the week. There's no thought of God. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray on a regular basis. They don't read the Bible on a regular basis. But during the week, they're not. Be diligent in your devotional life. In order to get her to marry me, had to go date her. You know, everybody hates dating, right? You got to take her out. You know, we'd, we used to go to bowling and then go get a burger afterwards. We did that for, you know, for a while. Okay? My point I had to spend time working, going to school, and dating Wanda. Reached the point, okay, something's got to give. You want to get married? <laughs> you know, kind of a deal. So, and that's kind of the way it worked. I had to spend the time in that relationship. You want your relationship with Jesus to be better. You're going to have to put the time in. Spend time with the one who loves you. That's what I do with my wife. Spend time with her because I love her. She spends time with me because we love her. We go out to eat. Not because I don't like to cook. No, I don't like, yeah, I like to, but no, I'd rather go spend the time you know, than just cooking and working, cleaning afterwards. My point being, be diligent in your devotional life. There can be no public worship here if there's no private worship during the week. There can be no public worship. Yeah, you can come, go through the motions. But there is no public worship if you haven't talked to them. We've got too many people coming in. Okay, God, I'm here Sunday morning. Bless me. I, I need to get, you know, charged up. Come on, give, come on, sing something exciting. Don't sing those, you know, don't, don't sing those love songs. Don't sing those slow songs. Come on, give me something, you know. Hallelujah, you know, been born again, you know. Now, he works in many ways. But if you've been talking to him all week, guess what? He's going to be here on Sunday morning with you. Looking out at the world, we live in a very, very wicked world. 
The good news is people are looking for answers. With this pandemic and this thing in news got on now about um, um, mental health now, you know, everybody's, you know, we've all been crazy. We live in a crazy world, okay? Now they're finding it out. But there's a lot of emphasis on mental health. But see if you'll talk to your friends, talk to your family, and talk to Jesus. It'll be all right. He'll work it out. See, it's all about worship. Whether you do that on Saturday morning, or Friday night, or Sunday morning here at church, we're this close to going home to be with Jesus. So what are you going to do? The old hymn says, we'll work till Jesus comes. Okay? Oh, and then there's a praise chorus. People need the Lord. So what are you going to do? We're going to work. Come. We need teachers. We need workers. We need people. We need pew sitters. Okay? You can't have a shepherd if you don't have any sheep. So come. Let's work. Let's witness. And you got to wait. You ain't going to hear him up. I laugh every time some guy comes up. Oh, I know when Jesus is coming back. Well, I do know when he's coming back. Whenever God tells him, come get us. When he gets ready. But not into the meantime. But in the meantime, will you worship with us? Mark started by praying this morning. We ask God to come into our midst and move. We need to get back to the heart of worship. It is all about him. And how are you going to respond to him? This morning as Mark comes to sing, and we're going, we get to sing with you, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. We get to sing too. I was hoping he wouldn't do a solo, but we get to sing. As we sing, if God is speaking, come. Come forward. Come to the altar. Oh, you don't have to even come. Just stand and say, okay, God, I want to get back to you, to doing things right. Today's the day to make that commitment. Isaiah says today is the day of salvation. Paul says that in Romans 2, quoting from Isaiah. The altar's here if you know someone's not saved. Now, what are you going to do if you get to heaven and you look around and one of your grandchildren isn't there? Or, you know, that's what's going to get me. I know my children are saved. You know, what about somebody else? Those are the ones we pray for. Don't just think about them. We pray for them. All this is going on while you're worshiping. Would you stand with us? Father, we come now just to glorify you, to lift up your name, to come back to the heart of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you. We love you. And we hope you have a wonderful week.